Our second reading this evening picks up on the story of Acts and the early church where we left it a few weeks ago. You'll remember that uh, Peter and John had just healed a man, or Jesus used them to heal a man born lame. Uh, They now find themselves in front of the Sanhedrin, and the question on the Sanhedrin's lips is, by what power or what name did you do this? We're in Acts chapter 4, and we're starting at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed... Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Jill, thank you very much indeed. We're looking forward to what you have to say to us. Thanks. And uh, now you're with Sports Friends to make disciples of young people through sport. I think that's a that's fair right, description. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, now you've got a long-standing, this is the difficult question, by the way, uh, the long-standing uh, um, experience of Southeast Asia and Asia. And what are the exciting things that are happening in Asia, do you think? Um, I think there's a great need for the gospel in Asia. There are millions, billions of people who are living and dying without Jesus. And for me, in my line of work, it's exciting to see that God can use something as silly as a football for his gospel kingdom purposes as young people, maybe the next slide, um, as we can help the church to use sport as a bridge into the community where these millions of young people are knowing nothing about Jesus, sport can be a tool for building relationships through which we can share the gospel and make disciples. Now, you were an outstanding hockey player in your time. Which position did you play in? And the follow-up question is, what makes an outstanding hockey player? Um, Well, I was a sweeper who uh, stood at the back and swept up the mess. Um, What made a good hockey player is, I think, what makes a good missionary, actually, is somebody who has an awareness of the people around them. Um, You need to know where your next pass is going to be before you receive the ball. And I think if we're going to be effective in mission, we need to have an awareness of the people that are around us and uh, our relationships with them. 
that's a fantastic example of being a missionary. You immediately turn something about football or, or hockey into a missionary statement. So thank you very much indeed. We look forward to hearing what you've got to say to us. Thanks, Ian. Um, well, as all of the other missionaries who've, uh, mission partners who've spoken today have also done, I want to start by saying thank you to many of you as individuals and to uh, St. Andrews as a church for your support for me as a mission partner. Um, as you can imagine, often living the other side of the world can be a wonderful adventure, uh, but it can also have its challenges and moments of difficulty. And it's great to know that you have people back home who are standing with you in uh, love and in prayer. So thank you for that. Um, as I've mentioned, I work for SIM um, and their sports ministry called Sports Friends. Um, I've been back in the UK for almost a year after spending seven years in Thailand, helping to start our work to serve the church in Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, and India in using sport as a tool to reach out to young people with the gospel. So I'm not going to say any more about my work because I'm going to show you a video which will do the talking for me and hopefully give you a better flavor for what the work looks like on the ground. Um, the video is in Thai, which I spent many months learning, um, but don't worry because there are subtitles. The only thing is the subtitles might be a little bit small for you to read. So if you need to move forward, please feel free to come a little closer. As we look at the story of Nat and Boy, that's their names, Nat and Boy, who are two leaders from a church in Chiang Rai in the north of Thailand who sports friends trained and the video tells the story of how they've seen God at work in the young people that they uh, reach out to through their sports ministry program. So if we could have the video, that'd be great. Thanks. Now, 95% uh, of Thailand's population is Buddhist, and Buddhism and traditional Chinese religions pervade every aspect of Thai culture and life. I lived in a Thai townhouse in the center of Chiang Mai city, and um, most of my neighbors, Thai neighbors, had a spirit house in the boundary of their home. I was woken often at four in the morning by the chimes and the chants of the monks in the temple that was just 10 meters from my bedroom window. In fact, within a mile of my house, there were 21 Buddhist temples. Every day I would see people putting their offerings on those spirit houses. I would see them going to the temple to make merit by giving an offering of money or a gift to a monk or to an idol. And you can imagine living in a culture that's dominated by another religious belief and observance that's different from your own is quite impacting. Increasingly, I was quite struck by, if I dare say, the futility of Buddhism to bring any promise or certainty to an end of suffering that my Thai Buddhist friends were seeking. 
Many of my Thai friends seemed to live with great fear. They had no assurance of hope, of salvation, of what would happen after death. And that brings us to this passage that Simon's read for us and helpfully gave uh, some context to. As he's mentioned, Peter's being challenged by the teachers of the law to give uh, an account, a justification for his actions that we read about back in Acts 3, where he and John, in Jesus' name, healed a lame man. And the teacher of the law is saying, who are you guys to do this? By what name, by whose power has this healing come about? And then Peter gives this wonderful, spirit-filled response. Now, I don't have time to unpack the whole passage, so we're going to focus on verse 12, which um, is wonderfully explicit and clear. It's very difficult to misunderstand verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And it's a verse that seemed to take on a deeper significance to me in that Buddhist Thai context than I'd previously comprehended. And I think that was because I could see all around me hundreds of people living and dying without Jesus. I could see, it was very striking in Thailand, I could see them seeking salvation, seeking hope, seeking meaning in names and idols and things other than Jesus. But of course, here in the UK, we're surrounded by millions of people who are living and dying without Jesus. Though it looks different, it's, the reality is no less the same. It, it, it's not in my face in the same way that it was in Thailand, living in a different cultural or religious context, but people here in the UK are just as far from Jesus, whether it's observance to another religion like Buddhism in Thailand or Hinduism in India or the false religions of money, sex, power of our pluralist postmodern UK, they're all unable to offer salvation. Verse 11, they are a rejection of the cornerstone that is Jesus. Verse 10, they're a rejection of the crucified, risen Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So why do we do this thing called mission? Well, simply because there are people living and dying without Jesus. There are people who have not heard. There are people who have not responded to this offer of salvation that verse 12 tells us is only found in Jesus, in his name. There's no other name that can bring us salvation. What, what do we understand by salvation? Well, it's, it's the forgiveness of our sins. It's a deliverance from death. It's the promise of eternal life. It's the right standing we have before God. It's restoration into the family of God. It's adoption as his child. It's peace. It's hope. It's joy. It's love. It's life itself. Salvation, our rescue from sin and all of its consequences, is only offered and it's only found in Jesus, 
no other name. So I want to finish with a story from India. And India is the country that I'm now focused on supporting in my work with Sports Friends. I'll be going there in a couple of weeks um, to work alongside my colleagues, Sam Raj and Reka. One day, Sam and Reka were wandering along the banks of the River Ganges during a Hindu festival. And they came upon a woman who was beside herself. She was distraught. She was crying and sobbing and wailing. And so Sam and Reka sat down next to her to try and find out what was going on and could they comfort or console her. And um, in Hinduism, the the Ganges is considered sacred. It, um, it's, it's personified in the goddess Ganga, and it's worshipped by Hindus who believe that bathing in the Ganges can bring spiritual cleansing. So often Hindus will make offerings or sacrifices to the river to appease the gods and bring spiritual cleansing. So my friends, listen to this distraught woman as she poured out her heart and was deep in grief and distress because she had just thrown her live baby into the river as a sacrifice to her gods. She was confused, she was in agony, wondering why her gods would ask her to do something that went against all of her natural maternal instincts. Sam and Reiko, filled with tears and sadness from hearing the story themselves, with all the compassion and sensitivity they could muster in that moment, started to tell the woman about God's love and about how God had made a sacrifice for us in his own son, Jesus, that we might never have to make the kind of sacrifice that the woman had made to try and please God that uh, God had paid the debt for us. He'd cleansed our sin. He'd done on the cross the sacrifice that was necessary for us to be brought back to God. Now, we might hope that um, after hearing an explanation of the gospel from Sam and Rekha, that this woman repented, that she turned to follow Jesus. But sadly, that was not her response. Her response was fury, She was livid. She was angry. She screamed at Sam and Rega, why did you not come ten minutes sooner? Why were you not here before I threw my child into the river? You see, there are people all around us, whether it's at home or it's abroad, who are living life and facing the reality of death without Jesus. But there's no other name but Jesus that can save us, that can rescue us, that can redeem us. The water of the Ganges will not cleanse us from our sin. No other sacrifice but that made by Jesus on the cross can bring us Salvation Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So I think the challenge for us tonight is who are the people to whom God has sent each one of us? Is it our family, our workplace, our school, our sports club, our office? Who are the people around me and around you who right now 
are living their lives and facing death without Jesus. Because we're all on mission. We're all mission partners. Uh, Whether some of us are sent to Thailand or India or we're here in Oxford, we're all called to the same task to make disciples, to declare the name of Jesus to those who haven't heard or understood or responded. So as Ian is about to lead us in a time of prayer and intercession, let's lift up to the Lord those people that he's put around us who are yet to respond to his offer of salvation. Let's seek the Lord and ask him that they might find salvation in Jesus' name. Amen.